Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Political This That podcast. On this week's episode, I am very grateful to be joined by my friend Tolu coming all the way from Edmonton, Alberta. Hello, hello. Yes, sir. What's going on, my G? What's going on? How's Alberta treating you? Bro, Alberta is, as you know, I always say this, Alberta is the best province in Canada. You can take me up on that. And the Ontario is basically like bottom barrel. So as usual, Alberta is fine. Edmonton, best city on earth. How can I complain? You're going to go with that? Okay. I love the (laughs) I love the confidence. Well, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm just trying to get by in school. You know how it is. School is literally killing everybody at this point. Bro, I'm convinced like teachers have like a common group chat on like iMessage or Twitter and they're just like talking about how to just embarrass their students. It's crazy. Oh, 100%. They don't, they think because it's a pandemic and everything's virtual that everything is easier. Like, sir, I don't need 5,000 assignments every week. It's enough, please. Honestly, man, honestly. But I will... Now that you're the guest, one thing I like to do with my guests that let them do their own little intro. So you'll tell us your name, pronouns, what you're studying, who you are, interest, that kind of thing. So tell the people who you are. Try to put it into two minutes. Two minutes. I'll make a deal with you and I'll do five. All right. Deal Go done. for it. Okay. Um, hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Toluani Adekunle. My pronouns are he, him. Um, I'm originally from Nigeria. I moved here when I was about 13, 14 in 2013. Um, I am studying software engineering at the University of Alberta, greatest university in Canada. If you don't know, get to know. Um, what else? Um, you know, I'm just, I like, I like chilling. I like vibing, um, playing games as usual. Um, FIFA, I'm a FIFA god, top 10 in the world. That's a lie. Um, what else? I like watching football and also doing photography. Um, I have tried to do photography in the past. It really hasn't worked out well for me, but I'm still learning. Um, yeah. So I played the drums. Um, I started playing the drums when I was about like 10. I was learning at home. We bought a drum set in our house in Nigeria, actually. Fact. Um, that's my intro. Uh, I don't stick too much time. So there you go, Anime. I like it. So now we're going to go into question period. And question period is where I ask a couple of chill, basic questions to get us into the mood before we go into the topic of this week's episode, which is like Otolo said, he's a software engineer. We're going to be talking to him about the life of being a software engineer. So the first question I have in question period is what is your favorite place to grab food in Edmonton? Oof. That's a good one. Um, (laughs) To be fair, I haven't really explored that much in Edmonton. But I think it would be, uh, I can't really remember this place word for it, but it's like Cacao 72, I believe. Cacao 70? 70 or 72. Uh, I think it's Cacao 72. It's this um, basically chocolate. Um, it's Cacao 70. Is it 70 or 72? It's Are you 70, sure? It's 70. And the reason I say 70 because there's a, what's it called? There's a location in Ottawa. I think there's two in Ottawa. So that's how I know it's 70. Are you sure it's 70? Yes. It is 70. You're correct. I was testing you. How about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's cacao 70. It's, it's, I like it. It's pretty good. Everything is like chocolate. It has to do with chocolate. And I have a bit of a sweet tooth. So, Next question is, what's your favorite song at the moment? And it could be from any genre. I know you're in Alberta, so it could be country music if you choose it to be. <laughs> that is so disrespectful because I hate country music with a passion. I hate it. Do you go but, around Edmonton and saying you hate country music? I do. What what what's, what are they gonna do about it? I hate country music. That's a, that, it should be known. My favorite song right now is hold up. Let me look at my playlist. Tolu's not trying to offend anybody, so don't get offended by what Tolu says. He's a chill, cool guy. He just has his opinions. Yes, I'm very opinionated. My favorite song, I think it would be. Oh, oh Angel by Rick Hassani. Easy. Ooh, genre? I don't know if it's going to be, if you call it Afrobeats, but it's kind of like. 
it's it's hanging around there. Afro beats, Afro punk, that kind of thing. His whole album was like a mix mash of everything Afro. So it was a really good album. The Prince I Became by Rick Hassani. It's an unpaid promo, but yeah, go listen to it if you have the chance. I'll actually go listen to it after this episode. Next question is, what is your favorite class you've taken so far in university and why? None. Next. Nothing. Like nothing about <laughs> software engineering courses. I know they're not the easiest or the most delectable courses, but nothing has just, you know, intrigued you. Delectable is a big word, you know. I'm proud of you for that one. Okay. <laughs> I have uh, vocabulary. Thank you very much. Nice. I think it would be it would be um, intelligent systems engineering. That's the only course that I've taken in the past, like throughout university that I've said is pretty interesting. Everything else has been just there. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that course has been like levels above every other course in terms of like my interest for it, how like much time I dedicated into it and how like um, my performance as well. So it would be intelligent systems engineering. What is that exactly? Like, what are you learning in that course? Well, I'm glad you asked, Onome. Being a software engineer, you would have to design some artificial intelligence sometime like during, if you want to specialize in that artificial intelligence, you know, robots, that kind of thing. And so intelligent systems engineering is just like studying the basic bare bones form of artificial intelligence. So you can start with a neural network and you can move on to like higher order types of systems, maybe like a self-organizing map or um, a simple ant colony um, network that kind of thing. All of that is just like the underlying stuff that goes into building an AI, basically. I don't know if that made sense to you or if you'd like me to. No, that makes sense. And I think that's very cool considering that the world is becoming very digitalized and artificial intelligence is growing. So learning about it, I think is very cool and learning how to like the whole systems behind it, I think is very interesting. I mean, not for me, it was interesting as a whole, like I guess the inner workings of it is too much for me because I'm not an engineer in any regard. Well, I mean, you'd be surprised how, uh, what program are you taking? Political science. Okay. I should have figured. But anyways, (laughs) you'd be surprised how like, how much relevance it has to stuff that's not really engineering. For example, a neural network was built like off the, you know, the biology of a human brain, you Mm -hmm. know, the neural networks in a human. And so it's pretty cool. Like even without knowing any bit of biology, because I hate biology, I was able to like, you know, draw some connections between the brain and how the brain works and how an artificial intelligence brain is supposed to work. So it's not really like just confined to so, uh, software engineering or engineering. There's a lot of other things that can go into it. Um, but yeah, it's it's a really interesting topic. I could talk about it for days, but that's what we're here for. That sounds very cool. And then last question of question period is what is the biggest stereotype of being an engineer? Oh, <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot. I think go one of them will be. Go at least <laughs> Say at least three or two. Three? Or okay. Two or three. Well, I'll give you the time for that. Okay. Thank you. I think one of them is the fact that engineering is uh, hard or engineers are smart. I would assume this, you guys are. This is probably like, yeah, this is like biggest surprise. Like what? Engineers are not smart. Mo- most of us are like just like your average people. It's not really like, oh, we have like this high IQ. It's just... The kind of problems that we solve like are just more geared towards us so for example i i like i like coding and writing code but if listen if you ask me to write an essay lord have mercy red lines will be popping up on my on my screen everywhere grammatical errors syntax like lexical errors semantic errors everything because i i can't write an essay or a paper to save my life but if you like give me a piece of code, then yeah, that's like, that's my domain. You know what I mean? So engineers like, yeah, they could be smart in one aspect, but in other aspects of, of like life, 
some of us could be very some some people could be very dumb. Obviously, that's not me because you know I'm a smart. I'm You're a, smart a scholar. Thing. Love Bro, to see it. One thousand. I even like Einstein is like asking me for tips. Thank you. The second stereotype would be that engineers are loners. Um, that wow. one I I don't agree with that one because I have engineer friends like yourself and I know you guys are very sociable human beings. Yes, yes, yes. That's like I don't know. It's just when people think of engineers, like you think about these people that just are in their in a man cave that stinks and they're just working on <laughs> they're just working on like math problems or science problems. While that may be the case for some people, engineers I find that have found community within themselves. So you you find that you won't really find one engineer by themselves. You usually find engineers in a community of other engineers. So in that sense, we're pretty sociable because everyone is suffering. Everyone is like having the same problems together. And usually when you have a problem in engineering, it doesn't really, it doesn't just take one mind to solve it, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So you need like that community and you need that network. I need a lot of people to like join, kind of like bash their heads together to solve a problem. So engineers know how to find community amongst other engineers. And sometimes like you, most times you have other types of engineers that are just good at networking with other people and making friends outside the engineering circle. So I don't think engineers are necessarily loners, but I think you will find that, yeah, you'll find that some of them are like really sociable and fun to be around. Cool. I feel like another thing with engineers, especially yourself, since you're a software engineer, I would assume that you guys are very technical because like you do code. So like one little period or one little punctuation that's wrong and it could completely change the trajectory of what you're supposed to do. So I'll give you guys that. You guys are very technical because you guys have to be. Yeah, yeah, you're correct. Thank you. Now we finished question period, we're gonna go on to the main questions. So the first question I have for you, Mr. Tolu, is what made you want to be an engineer? And is it is one of the main reasons why you want to be an engineer, the typical Nigerian mindset? Oh, doctor, lawyer, engineer. <laughs> if it is, you can say that, but what made you want to become an engineer, specifically software as well? Well, the fact that you're mentioning like the typical, that is just like repressed memories. You're digging at this part of my brain. Um I'd say I, okay, so when like we're in Nigeria, my mom is a communications engineer. She studied telecommunications and my dad, my dad is an engineer. He's the typical engineer that you don't really know what he does, but he the just- The engineer, I'm assuming? I, I couldn't tell. I think he's mechanical or petroleum, but I just know he's an engineer. I don't really know what discipline, like I just know he goes to work and he engineers that's all he does like he's he's a typical engineer i can tell you what what he does but yeah both my parents were engineers and so i'd always go to their offices you know go check out what they were doing and it would always be a fun time so from there i started like taking a liking towards computers or just yeah computers games that kind of thing you know when you're young you like to play games i like to play games so I started taking a liking towards all that, wondering what's behind a computer screen or what's inside you know, a thick laptop or a thick box called a computer or CPU. And so right from then I started taking an affinity towards computers and applications. And you know, growing up with that affinity or liking towards computers, anything anything that's wrong with a computer in the house, they'd always call me, I would open it up, and then maybe it's like just to change a couple connections or two or to replace like a battery for the timer, that kind of thing, just the little issues. And so that really like solidified my liking for computers. So in high school, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do, computer engineering, software engineering, or robotics, or nanotechnology. That's like so intense. I had like those four choices. I really wanted to do robotics, but then I figured out that if I wanted to do robotics, then I have to move, I have to deal with hardware and like moving parts. And I terribly dislike anything that has to do with hardware. So I decided to rule that out. Then it was between uh, software engineering and nanotechnology. Now, nanotechnology is 
very interesting. It's it's such an inter interesting topic, but the applications in terms of jobs, job prospects, and like the um, what to do with it right now. Like if I graduate, what what can I do with nanotechnology, a nanotechnology degree? It's not that much. It's mostly research based. And so I don't want to be confined to a lab. I don't have a long attention span. So if I'm in a lab, I'm going to be sleeping off. And so I, I don't want to, that wouldn't really make me happy. So I ruled off nanotechnology and then software engineering was, was last on the list. And so by process of elimination, it had to be software engineering. That makes sense. And also, I think you should make, you should talk about the distinction between computer engineering and software engineering. Because you and me have talked about this and you have, made it very clear the difference between those two so i think you should tell the people the difference because a lot of people think it's as this the same thing or the same discipline when in reality it's not for sure you know what i'll even throw in one more thing i'll i'll tell you the difference between computer engineering software engineering and then computer science because i Thank also you. get that question a lot so computer engineering and software engineering are both like engineering courses but computer has to do with both hardware and software which is code so um let's say like the motherboard of a computer that counts as hardware the transistors the circuitry all of that you get to take a look at that when you're in computer engineering whereas in software engineering you only look at code um, you do a little bit of hardware but not enough to you know get you in the industry and that kind of thing you just do it so you can have a basic knowledge of what is going on inside your computer system and how that relates to the code that you're writing. Does that kind of make sense? Yes. And then computer okay. science. And software engineering. For sure. Computer science and software engineering, they both look at code, but computer science deals more with the theory behind, you know, programming and code and all of that. So you look at a lot of algorithms, why the algorithms work, how they work, um, how you can speed them up, how you, um, how you can slow them down, the errors in the algorithm, that kind of thing. You go into the nitty gritty of what's behind the code and how to solve um, problems with the code and with the algorithms. Whereas in software engineering, as any other engineering course, you're more concerned about solving a problem. And so you don't really care how or why something works or an algorithm works all you care about is the fact that it works and you know that it works. And so going from there, all you wanna do is how can I use the, the knowledge of the fact that this works to solve a problem. So software engineering, you have a problem, you have um, a, a, a known way to solve a problem, an algorithm, how can I apply this algorithm to solve this problem? We don't really care about um, what errors the algorithm will introduce when solving a problem. That's for the CompSci guys. And so I'll say, it, to put it shortly, CompSci is a bit more nerdy and geeky about the inner workings of software and all that stuff while engineers just want to solve. Okay, that makes sense. And I hope to everyone listening, it does make sense to them as well. So me and Tolu met in Ottawa but Tolu goes to school at University of Alberta, like he said. So the next question I have for him is, what made you choose to come all the way to the capital of this nation's country, Ottawa, for a co-op term compared to staying in good old Edmonton, which is the best city in the, in the country and the best province in the country? You know what? <laughs> it's really simple. I just wanted to be away from home. <laughs> I'm sure you thought I was going to give an answer like, oh, yeah, no, Ottawa is like the um, techie hub of uh, <laughs> of Canada and you know they have so many opportunities while that is true that's definitely not the reason why I left I wanted to be away from home my goodness to work from home in this house lord have mercy that is a struggle so I just I wanted to be away from home but also Ottawa has a lot of opportunities for tech driven people um, Ottawa Toronto Calgary those cities are really tech driven, even Vancouver as well. So um, also I had a friend in Ottawa or I have a friend in Ottawa who I hadn't seen since high school in Nigeria. And when I uh, knew that she was in Ottawa that like helped me narrow down my choices because I wanted to reconnect, right? So um, 
it was between Ottawa or Edmonton. And like I said, <laughs> I'm not working from home in this house. So I, I yeah, I decided to move to Ottawa. But also, since you said Calgary is also another like hotspot for tech, you would just go to Calgary since it's in the same province. I would, but then I have ops in Calgary. I have spies. My parents have spies in Calgary. Oh, okay. <laughs> in Calgary. So yeah, I have cousins there. And I'm sure like if I if they knew that I was going there, bruh, they'd be watching my every move. That's so true. I'm not I'm not about that. I listen, I have to be free. I must be free. Um, tell us a little bit about your co-op term in Ottawa as well. Like, who did you work for? How was that? And so forth. No problem. My co-op term was with BlackBerry QNX. There's a difference between BlackBerry and BlackBerry QNX. But yeah, if you didn't know, BlackBerry is still an organization. It still exists. <laughs> it does. Anytime I told people I work for BlackBerry, they're like, oh my God, that's <laughs> it is still around. But yes, it is still around. No, they don't make phones anymore. Um, They're now a software-driven company. So they make um, a lot of software for uh, enterprise communication, um, for embedded systems. So if you go to a hospital and you're hooked up to a, I don't know if it's a cardiogram, the thing that they put on like your chest and all that stuff. I think it might be. But if you're a science person and we're wrong, just, you know. Yeah, just keep it in your back pocket. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> keep it in your back pockets but yeah a cardiogram they make software for those kind of machines um they have their own version of a self-driving car which is still under test right now i was able to see some of it That's so cool. um yeah i know they also make software for like windmill technology so they're they're really into the internet of things connecting like basic parts of our life into the interwebs and all of that. So where I was working was QNX, which is a version of their own operating system that they're that they have that they built. It's um it's a very minimalist operating system. If you've used Linux before, it's kind of like Linux. So I was working on that with them and helping customers develop with BlackBerry QNX. Very intense and very educational, I assume. It's what it was. It was. I I will give them that. It was very educational. Most of the things that I learned there, like we've been learning in classes since I got back. So it was like I learned a lot from there. It could have been like, you know, it could have been way worse where I was just doing absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's internships where you, you you're basically like an errand boy. But thankfully, I was in that. Um, yeah, I learned a lot from from the place. And thankfully, that was literally right before covid so you got the term fall 2019 no it was or was it winter 2020 that you got the term yeah it was in winter 2020 but to be fair to like to be honest i i was supposed to be there for eight months yes you were i remember you telling us that you're gonna yeah. be here to the summer but i was but then freaking covid, COVID? hit and they suspended their like all rehiring so I was I was cut off, and I had to return. Turn to good old good old Edmonton. Yeah, good old Edmonton. But speaking of COVID, that's the next question. So, how do you feel like COVID has impacted the software engineering industry right now? Like from what you've seen before and what you see now, how has it changed? Um, I'll say like every industry, COVID has you know done done a number on the software industry. It's really lowered the opportunities available. Some organizations that were hiring before no longer have positions for like entry level people or since they have to cut off a number of people from their team, Mm -hmm. then they're looking to fill their positions with more experienced people, meaning that entry level devs don't get an opportunity or as big of an opportunity anymore or some organizations are just looking to recruit as many people as possible. And so it's really um, competitive. I know that sounds like what they're looking to recruit as many people. Well, like those positions that they're looking to recruit for are not really like 
development position so mm -hmm. you might have like an it position which is like masked as a developer position and then what you're doing is like you're fixing cables or setting up people's computers which is not bad but like as far as soft that's not really like software engineering like i would so, assume that's not what you want to do considering that you're paying so much for tuition to be a software engineer right. and your first <laughs> internship or your first like job is like oh i'm helping cables i feel like that's basic and very entry level and that's like i don't say below your pay grade but like it's not what you anticipate to do at least going into especially with your experience so having working with blackberry and stuff like that that's not what you're thinking about doing right right you're absolutely correct so or that's how like COVID has started like changing the opportunities that are available to people also COVID has like really opened a lot of i guess software developers eyes to the fact that a lot of the work that we're doing can be done from home and from the comfort of our beds or our homes. And so this whole thing about companies requiring to come in or things that really set people off from working in the corporate office mm -hmm. have, have kind of like been eliminated. So now people are just way more relaxed or more, um, I'll just I'll just go relaxed for way more relaxed when it comes to like um, working from home. They're like way more, I guess, confident to work that kind of thing because there's a lot of pressure. I'd say for me, I experienced pressure when I was in like in physical work, mm -hmm. going into the office because you know your supervisor's just around the corner, and you know if you're not if doing you're what not, you're supposed yeah, to doing not really if you're not doing what you're supposed to do but if you don't like look confident about it then it's like oh, did we really hire the right person is mm -hmm. this person like you're an imposter that kind of thing so covid has really like eased such attention from people when working from home because now i can send my supervisor an email and ask a question without having to like bother about you know how i look or how I sound or how I, you know, how I'll approach him, how intimidating it's going to be. Just shoot him a quick email. How can I do this? How do I do this? And all of that. And then most of the research, you can do it on your own time. So COVID has definitely done that for the industry. And also a lot of people are now like, they're not willing to take no for an answer, continuing like concerning work from home. So if it's not work from home, some people are like, I can't take this position because, you know, because of the circumstances, I can't be going into a physical building where I have like social distance and mm -hmm. like, there's just, there's no point. This work can be done from home. So why do I have to like come in and then put on this suit or put on this business attire and all that stuff. So yeah, COVID has definitely opened a lot of people's eyes to the reality of working from home and also organizations. Now organizations going forward will probably not be spending that much money on renting an office space to have employees come in and work in the office. They'll probably just assign um, equipment and then you can work from home, that kind of thing. So I expect to see that kind of change coming up in the next few years, maybe two, one, one to three years. You see that a lot of companies are not renting an office space. I think that will help them not only like in the engineering industry, but I feel like with a lot of industries, like what you're talking about, people's eyes are opening and they're just like, I don't have to go to an office. I can just do this from home. And me personally, like being outside of the industry, I would assume that a lot of engineering, because a lot of what you're doing is on the computer, a computer that you can do at home. So my assumption would be that since, especially if you're, you're doing software engineering, you could do it from home. So the fact that what you're telling me is that a lot of the internships, a lot of the opportunities are in a physical space prior to COVID is actually very surprising to me, considering that I would think you can do it from home. Yeah, I know. Like, you'd be surprised how much. I think also there's an aspect to like the networking that you That's get true. in person, because when you're working in person, the environment is way different from when you're working online. And so you get to meet a lot of your team, you get to go to them, you know, going to people in person really helps you overcome maybe a fear that you might have of asking questions or of approaching people. Once you 
have to, you have no choice but to go to your supervisor and then ask him about this error that you're having on line 28. You know, you won't be afraid to, I guess, approach someone in the industry concerning a job, that kind of thing. So there's that aspect of networking. And, you know, if there's other co-op students or other interns like yourself in that same office space, then you get to network with them, you get to talk about your own experiences, make friends, that kind of thing. So there's definitely that aspect of internships that I guess employers want to offer their students uh, or their interns in person. But um, with regards to the, with the trade-offs, I don't know, most people might take in, um, you know, the comfort of doing their work from home over the physical aspect of networking. Personally, I'm, I'm kind of indifferent. If you tell me to work from home, hey, more sleep time for me. But if you tell me to come into work, then I get to meet new people and see like experience a whole new environment, which is totally awesome. It's good that you're seeing the glass half full instead of half empty. A lot of people will be like, I just rather work at home. Yeah, I know. So like on some, I have, I have those days. Like there were definitely days where I'd wake up at like seven and I'm like, my goodness, like do I really have to get up, go take a shower and then go go to work? Like, is this, is this really necessary? Why can't I just do this from home? But mm -hmm. it is what it is. Um, and touching kind of on what you talked about in your, in your spiel about COVID impacting the industry, how do you see or where do you see software engineering in the next 10 years, especially with development and so forth? Especially since the world is becoming so um, digitalized and I feel like the demand for software engineering would be, has increased because software engineers do codes, do codes for websites, apps, that kind of thing. So where do you see the industry in the next 10 years? Um, software engineering is going to be around for a while. It's going to be around for a while. Like you said, the whole world is moving towards a digitized environment where everything is connected. You have your Alexa that can control your lights, or you have like your Amazon Echo that can control your locking mechanism. So all of that is getting digitized. And so there's going to be a huge demand for software engineers. However, comma you don't have to be a software engineer to do all of that, which is the huge bummer. So a lot of people are coming to the industry and stealing our jobs. They are stealing our jobs, get them out of here. Um, but yeah, if you have a laptop and access to the internet, then you, you can, you're basically a software engineer because you can go online, take a coding class, or you can watch YouTube videos. There's some YouTube videos that explain how to write code better than some of my professors. So you'll find that it's not really like that requirement for having a degree in software engineering will probably might probably be overlooked in the coming years. I don't want to say this like definitively, but mm -hmm. yeah, it may probably be overlooked because any any Tom Dick and Harry can like learn how to learn how to code and it's even worse if you do that by yourself like you don't the time that you might use to devote to school you do that by yourself and you really make it your passion your hobby and you you know get immersed in into like online classes of software engineering and you work on personal projects and all that stuff you probably would be favored over someone that just you know went to school to take software engineering and just got by, you know, and just graduated. Of course, like having a degree is always, is always a good thing, but software engineering is a, or I guess the world of like the internet domain or the world of the internet is, is such like, there's so many opportunities that if you're good at what you do and if you know how to do your stuff, then you will like it's most likely that you will find a position for you and you can do that without having a degree so basically what i'm trying to say is there is a lot of demand that like there's a huge demand for software engineers or people that know how to write code people that know how to write clean code efficient code code that is understandable that kind of stuff but it's also very easy if you have the resources 
to learn that by yourself without having to go through this institution called school i've definitely heard of like I remember on TikTok, I saw I seen this girl. She's like studying what I study. She studied political science, and she ended up getting a job at Google out of grad. So you're what you're saying is very correct. Like as long as you learn it for yourself, it's you, anyone could be technically quote unquote a software engineer. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I don't know about anyone, but like <laughs> not anyone. But if you actually like put in work and you actually yes, learn it, then yes, yes, you can definitely like get the jobs that software engineers are getting. Do you feel like, well, you kind of talked about it, but do you feel like the industry is more fixated on people outside of engineers than they are? Like, like you said, so someone who's studying what I'm studying, political science, but is able to code, do you feel like we are quote unquote taking the jobs away from you guys? Or do you just feel like the field is expanding to accommodate other people from other disciplines? Oh, long. no, I don't feel like people are taking jobs. There's, there's literally so much to do in the, in the industry, in the software industry. I don't feel like people are coming and taking our jobs uh, I, was, I was just playing around i think it's it's more yeah like you said it's more or less expanding to accommodate um a lot of people if you can if you can um learn how to code and how to solve a problem with code then there's there's opportunity for you in the industry and so it's really if you recognize that there's something that needs to be fixed and you have the knowledge and means to fix it, then basically you're in, you're, you're in the industry. So there's like, there's space for every, there's space for everyone in the software industry. And I don't feel like it's, it's moving towards one uh, particular set of people or not. I just think it's growing bigger and bigger and anyone that cares to be part of the move or the wave quote unquote um, can be accommodated. That's fair. And that's very insightful. Um, what has been the most useful thing you've learned from software engineering, whether it be inside the classroom, or outside the classroom? Oh, Lord have mercy. Um, <laughs> I think I'll give you, I'll, I'll say, I'll, I'm thinking of three right now, but it might expand to five. Oh, okay. So, Go so for yeah. <laughs> so one of them is ask questions, ask a lot of questions. Um, if you knew how to do everything by yourself, then you'd be giving Mark Zuckerberg a run for his money That's or true. Bill Gates a run for his money, but you don't, you're not that rich. So obviously you don't know how to do everything by yourself. So ask a lot of questions. Um, you might think that it's a stupid question. Definitely I've thought of that. I've thought like the questions I'm asking are so stupid. Like, come on, you're in fourth year, you should know this, but it's better that you ask those quote unquote stupid questions than act like you know when in reality you don't know and then when the day of reckoning comes you don't know how to apply such knowledge and you're like your supervisor or your mentor is looking at you like i thought you knew this and so yeah ask questions ask a lot of questions um oftentimes people that are above you will be more than willing to answer those questions rather than um see you struggle another one is um attention to detail in software engineering you have to be very detail oriented you have to look at everything like with with like your third eye and look at everything in detail um you have to be very very detail oriented and it's not just like it's not being like nitpicky or anything like you have to pay attention to the to the smallest things for example if you're writing in in like C or C++ and you miss a colon somewhere, pff, it's over for you. Mm -hmm. Or if you miss like a, a curly brace somewhere, it's over for you. That's That can be really trivial, but if you like extrapolate that to your own personal life and you see like something is going wrong, something small, then it's uh, software engineering or rather the engineering um, degree or practice teaches you to like pay attention and, you know, try and um look for the finer details or look at the finer details you know apply such um precision to your work that when people look at it from afar and you know zoom in to look at your work that they find it like spotless or like without blemish um another one is like problem solving problem solving is really it's really like the core of engineering um 
all engineering is is finding a problem and you know kind of thinking about how to solve that problem using science and technology that's basically engineering and so problem solving is like one of the biggest things that i've learned from software engineering you may not know how to like readily you know put everything into code but one thing you should like never shy away from is thinking of how to solve this problem you know you might not be spot on but as long as you have like a mental roadmap or you have the slightest idea where to start that is always good or you have you know where to start and you know sort of what procedures to get something done then you're better than like the other 90 percent of people that want to solve that same problem so software engineering or engineering as a whole teaches you how to solve problems which is really useful um that's three i guess i can throw in uh, another one it it also teaches you how to how to do your um, how to do research how to conduct research for yourself it feels like i'm in an interview but anyways um <laughs> it teaches you don't feel like <laughs> you're in an interview it's just catching up with an old friend and the mic it, just happens to be there it, this is like something i'd say in an interview you know i'm very detail oriented you know throughout my a lot time, of the I'm things you're saying is like very a lot of the things you're saying cannot only be used for software engineering can be used outside of the mm -hmm. industry like just being technical asking questions i feel like anyone who's a student can relate to like before asking questions in a classroom in a lecture hall with like hundreds of people is very nerve-wracking but i hope covid has changed the aspect of like being able to you know ask questions in the chat box or discussion forums but asking questions in any field is very important because if you don't ask questions you're not going to know anything and no one the worst case scenario is someone's going to make you feel dumb Mm -hmm. it's better right. for you to, it's better for you to get over that little five seconds of embarrassment say, okay maybe there's a dumb question then get the information that you need then acting like you know everything and then going into like an interview or going like you said going with your supervisor and then they don't then you're saying oh you i thought you knew this and you don't and you're looking even more foolish than you would if you just asked the question so a lot of what you're saying is tangible not only for software engineers but anybody else in any industry yeah, okay thank you for that <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um um i guess the final one would be doing um, doing research like taking out your own time to just research what you're working on conduct like use all the resources available to you if it's your supervisor if it's your friends you know the internet google.com um documentation a lot of that is like really applicable outside software engineering. And also I find that it's applicable to like, even like uh, news nowadays, because you know, you see something online on social media and you'd be like, oh, I didn't know this happened, but you haven't even done your research. Mm -hmm. So um, doing research is very important because that way you can like, you know, get information from every source that's possible. And you can like, you know, pass, all the information you have eliminate some things and then go forward with the with the final decision so doing research is very very important very insightful and i guess like i said all of this information is needed like what you're just talking about research is just research can be annoying because it's a lot of reading and like going over details but it needs to be done because like you said you don't know everything and you have to make sure that what you're talking about it comes from someplace that's of value like you're not just saying it from the top of your head it's like okay i have this idea i need things to back it up just to make sure it sounds coherent and make sure it sounds make sure it makes sense that's what i'm trying Ooh. to man you're out you're like you're, you came to this thing all guns blazing with the big words coherent delectable my goodness i'm trying <laughs> it's vocabulary it is getting on the spelling bee Holy. i don't know about that one but, <laughs> but yeah um next question tolu like he said he's nigerian he's an immigrant he's a black man of course um but in terms of representation how do you feel like the industry is like do you feel like the industry is diverse or do you feel like it definitely needs a lot more diversity and a lot more inclusion? Um, I'm kind of torn. I think the industry has a lot, like, I think it has a fair bit of diversity in terms mm -hmm. of entry levels, um, interns, and people that are just starting out in software engineering. So if you go to any engineering, software engineering firm or like development firm, you find that most of the 
interns or most of the entry level people are like, you know, are black, black people, you know, brown people, Asian people. Um, you find a little bit of diversity there. However, comma, in when you, when you go higher up the chain, there's not that much representation. Um, most of the people that ascend that corporate ladder uh, turn out to be white people. So if you're, I guess, well, from what I've seen and from my experience, most of the supervisors, the um, project managers, and the people that lead teams in development firms are white people. And so there's not that much representation. The diversity um, seems to be mostly like um, dense in the entry-level jobs. And then as you go higher up, it's more sparse. So that's what I think is happening. And to be honest, I, I don't know why, because like with, with all the stereotypes that like you, you, you hear about people in um, engineering or people in software engineering, you think that there'd be more diversity, but mm. it's like, it just, just as like you get in and then there's diversity and then one step or two steps up, it's just absolutely, it's like an abyss. So I don't know, there's, there's not that much diversity as you go. And how do you feel like the industry can change that and be more accepting to those who are not white? Because it's just sad, like, you're, you're even just talking about your experiences as a Black man. So we can only think about the experiences of those who are women in engineering and software engineering mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Like, I have right. a friend, she's studying software engineering, and she's Asian, and she talks to me about some of, like, the sexism that she kind of faces, and they think, like, oh, like, she doesn't know what she's talking about. And mm -hmm. she knows what she's doing. So how do you think the industry can be more accepting to, more accepting to those who are not white men? And how do you think the industry can change to be more accepting? Um, well, this is, that's a, that's a tough one. And there's no like one specific answer. I feel like when yeah, we ask these yeah. questions about diversity and being more accepting, like there's not just one size fits all. It's a process that's not going to get done tomorrow. So let's say whatever you say, it gets applied to more. It doesn't mean it's going to magically change, but it's a step into betterness for the yeah, industry. Yeah, of course. Um, so I'll say that I guess there's two sides to this. One side is I feel like there's um, not that much uh, ambition when it comes to people wanting to um, climb that ladder. Mm -hmm. um, it might be surprising, but I've heard people that just want to code for the rest of their lives, which means that they don't really want to get into more of like the leadership positions mm -hmm. or like the managerial positions. Personally, I, I like, I've set a timeline for myself five years and I'm done with coding. I don't want to be coding for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. I just want it to be like a party trick. You know, I go into a party. It's like, Oh, what's your party trick? Oh, did you know that I can build Facebook 2.0? And it's like, Oh my goodness, for real? Yes, I could. But like, I don't want that to be like, you know, the meat and potatoes of my career. So I, I definitely want to go into more of like managerial roles, but you won't find that a lot of people want to do that. Some people are just happy coding. Some people are just happy like being developers. And while that's not like most of the case, it's it's a majority of the case. So I'll say on the side of the um, developers, there's there may be there may be a lack of ambition. Um, that might be too harsh, but like, for lack of a better word, yeah, that's that ambition to climb that ladder is not there. Also, when it comes to like the people higher up, I to be honest, I think it's just like it's it's like every industry, the the higher ups, like there's just that I don't know, I don't know what it is. I, like, obviously, there's a bit of racial undertones to it. But I, I don't know what it is. It's just like <laughs> I don't want to flat out come out and say like it's it's racism. But like, like a lot of these institutions are like racist. Like yeah, it, I like, feel like a lot of people think of racism and think, oh, they called you the N word. And it's like racism is not just that. Like racism is just going into a room and dealing with the microaggressions and stuff like that. Like mm -hmm. let's say you were to go in 
to the office and you brought like rice and stew and they say oh my gosh like that is so foreign that's so different that's so exotic like, those are like microaggressions and that's a form of racism so i feel like a lot of these institutions they didn't think about black people when they were creating them they're just about cisgendered white men so it's fair to say that these systems are racist but like are how are they trying to over how are they trying to change the racism from those it's very hard to because if your foundation is racism then it's very hard about what are you actively doing to do it are you just using people as tokenisms are you just saying oh we have one black person like what you're talking about oh we have a lot of like diverse people but they're only entry-level people well that's not really showing how diverse you are yeah they, you have a lot of people that are not white in your um company but like higher ups like are they mm -hmm. also there are they also helping making the decisions and there are there like like you said even though a, a majority of people want to be coding there are probably people who like yourself want to be up making the up in the leadership position so how are these companies doing that so it's fair to say they're racist like it's not a bad thing hopefully like yeah it's the wrong way but it is what it is sadly yeah i think like actually said like there was something you said that, that really hit the nail on the head is that the same hit the yeah. i always get confused i literally like typed that sentence to um somewhere yesterday i was like is it hit the nail on the head or hit the nail on ah. the coffin i don't know but you guys get the point you yeah, guys get you, the point. You get the point. Yeah. She like you said, there's not that many people that are there's not that much diversity in positions where the decisions matter. So most of the decision making rules in those organizations are filled with cis white men. And so they don't take into account like the diverse culture of software engineering. And um in that way, you know, if if they want to pick someone for a managerial role, they'd much rather pick someone that they know or someone that they're familiar with, someone that looks like them, as opposed to like, you know, fear of the unknown or something like that, or someone that they're not really sure, like, you know, can do the job because, you know, well, they're not white. So there's that, like, there's that institutionalized racism. Um, as, as for what they're doing to combat that, to be honest, I, I, I couldn't tell you. You know, a lot of companies like to speak about they, there's the, they have diversity program, you know, and they're, um, those questionnaires that you feel when you're applying for a job, they'll ask you, well, what's your race and all that stuff. And so they're like, oh yeah, we have a great diversity program. You know, we hire a lot of um, black people, we hire a lot of Asians and all that. And it's like, uh, I've, I have a friend that told me that he, he's 99.9% .9 sure that they hired him because he was black. Oh <laughs> and, and like he, he was hired at, at an organization, a big organization, because he was black and not because like, um, because of his skills or anything. And like, I don't know, it may sound okay, well, more diversity but it's it's like that's just a facade you know like that's it's not what not, we want like yeah exactly <laughs> say that we want diversity like i want you to say oh i'm gonna hire the person that's most qualified and if the person that's most qualified so happens to be a black person a black woman asian woman that kind of thing that i'm gonna look at it it's not like oh i'm just gonna hire you because you're black because i don't want to be just hired because of my race i want to be hired mm -hmm. because i am qualified for the position a lot of black people are qualified for this position and look exactly at, like, if you look at just like immigrants for instance a lot of immigrants when they come here they're extremely qualified but they have to sometimes apply for positions that they are apply for positions that they're overqualified for and the people will tell them so they have to even take some of their stuff off their resume or they mm -hmm. have to apply to positions that they're less qualified that they're that's less than what they could be doing just so that they can get a job so that's another area of like racism or like having to change your name like you and me both have nigerian names like when you look at our names you will know our nigerian but like there's people who look at our names like hmm, i don't know and like that unconscious bias they have is like i'm not gonna piece yeah. of their name there have been situations where people say i have to change my name to make it sound more white so that i can get hired so those are instances of how racism is still perpetuated in these industries yeah yeah for sure 100 percent. and like i don't know it's i guess it takes someone to be in the uh industry to change the industry but at the same time that really should not be the case mm -hmm. um it shouldn't be i have to get to that position to change 
how things are done, you know. Sometimes like in in um, these same companies or organizations, you have you also have people that are black in these managerial roles, but the same things are still happening. And it's yep. like, you know, there's they're like that token black person, you know, to show that, okay, we have a black person as a manager, but at the same time, the, the black person is just perpetuating the same um, stereotypes or sorry, not, not the same stereotypes, the, the same racism that the, the white people are, are doing. So it's like, I, I don't know, we're coming to, I, I think of it as like a loose, loose situation. You know, you get in, um, you try and get to the top so that you can change stuff. And then um, if you're lucky, you get there. If you're like most people, you don't. Um, and then you're like, it's like rinse, repeat. You try and change, you try and go to an organization and then climb up and you get shut down because you know your hair is curly or you wanted mm -hmm. to wear a twist to work and your manager is like, you know what, that's not very professional. And you have to, you have to take it out or if you take a stand, you get fired and stuff like that. So as far as the software industry is concerned, so I don't ramble on forever. I don't, I, I don't, I don't really know what it's doing to, you know, kick racism out or get more diversity, be more diverse. But yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't really know. It, it is, it is really hard. I don't really know what I can pinpoint, like put my finger on to say that, oh yeah, this is, are the steps that they're taking. So, well, but- You've said some uh, stuff already. You said like, oh, like probably just like, one comment you just made about the hair and being curly, like that's something that they can see. It's just like, oh, like for instance, I believe it is New York City. I think it was a year or two ago that they just said that it's illegal to discriminate someone based on their hair. And like I always say, like I always tell people when we're talking about like black people and their hair, if you search, if you Google professional hairstyles for women, you're gonna see white, blonde, blue-eyed women, straight hair. But if you search up unprofessional hair for women, you're gonna see a lot of dark skin, kinky type for hair. So that's how that just proves to you the institutional racism that's there. So one point like just going off what you're saying is kind of like fixing that and just like not making hair or making outward appearance. That's pretty, that's the norm for us, a thing that's unprofessional. Yeah, yeah. I, I can also say that in terms of um, startups, startups is a really good way for, for diversity in, mm -hmm. this, in, in the software organization to propagate to the top. So, um, if black people, Asians, people of ethnic backgrounds and diverse backgrounds can come together and you know start their own companies or start their own organizations, it doesn't have to be like Google or Facebook. It can be a consulting company, and you know if that kind of stuff starts happening, then we'll see that they have no choice but to hire an organization that is totally built up of people from diverse backgrounds. You know, uh, if I create a startup and we are like, we're, we do consulting and we get the, a job for like a big company, we can then outsource to another startup. Maybe this other startup does UI or graphics design. And what we do is we do the back end. If they're looking for someone for, with front end, I'm, and I know a guy that knows a guy, then I can, you know, recommend them that kind of thing. So I feel like startups are a good way for people to introduce diversity into the system and you know get their friends or diversity. Yeah, diversity into the system. Jesus, I just repeated myself, but yeah, startups. Startups are the key. Startups are a good way just to say, you know, we're going to be more diverse and like hopefully these startups that are diverse, they get the funding that they can in order to build themselves and able to sustain themselves. Because another thing I feel like is a problem with startups is that just sustaining yourselves financially. But that's a very good idea about startups. Yeah. And last question, as we end this educational episode about being a software engineer 
especially for me, who's literally outside the field. I'm a political science major. So anything coding and artificial intelligence, that's just outside my scope. But those mm -hmm. educational to just to learn about it, because like deep down, I wish I could be an engineer, but like math and science is just not math, well, especially it's just not for me. It's just we're not best friends at all. So <laughs> I'm not even going to go down that path. But I like learning about it. And I like having friends who are engineers, especially software engineering. I think it's a very cool aspect. I'm not just saying that. Okay. All but right. last question is, what is one topic that you are passionate about that you feel like mainstream media isn't talking about? That can be from like anything that could be like RISM and software engineering. That can be SARS. That could be literally any topic that you care for that you just feel like people aren't talking about or deserves more attention. Oh boy. Um, that's a good question. Sorry, I'm just thinking um i'm really i'm i'm really passionate about like racism and you know systemic racism and how we can kind of defeat that but i'll go in a different direction and talk about social media Ooh. yeah social media is really it, it's a big aspect of our lives and rightfully so the world is becoming more interconnected but also social media is like a really, it's a really dangerous um, tool if, mm -hmm. if you don't know what's going on. You know, it can be really used to drive people insane or to control people. And that sounds like really like, like a conspiracy theory, but it's, <laughs> I promise you, I, I don't have conspiracy theories, um, but yeah. Social media is, is a really, it can be, it's a double-edged sword. It can be really good to, in connecting people, but at the same time, it's... Be very toxic with hate speech and so forth like that. Toxic, every, bro, it can be toxic and detrimental to your mental health. Yep. It can be, it, it can be like propaganda field. It can be used to like control people, bro. Social media, it, it can do everything. And so, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Social media is just... It's crazy. It's crazy. I don't want to get into a rant about it. But yeah. But the thing is, you're passionate about is like just changing the scope of how social media is today. Um, I wouldn't really say change because changing it is, I guess it's more work than letting people know, than raising awareness about, you know, about social media itself. To, I think it's it would be much easier to let people know about the dangers or what social media can do to them and then once everybody has that awareness or once most people have that awareness then we can start working towards changing it changing it is is a couple steps away i believe the first and the immediate steps that we can take is just awareness um learn about what what they do with your data learn about what goes on behind in social media, the algorithms that go on behind it. You have, if you can, if you have the opportunity, watch the, what, there's so no movie dilemma. on it. The yes, dilemma. there we go, The Social Dilemma. Go watch that. And then, <laughs> and then you kind of have an understanding about what social media does that is really, you know, harmful and then also protecting yourself from the toxicity of social media you know the false lies false lies a lie is already false the facades the everything that is like false on there people you know portraying their life as you know the perfect thing whereas it's like far from that and then you know you start envying their lives and all that stuff so that can really drain someone's mental health so just raising awareness about all of that, I'd like to, yeah, like I'd like that. to do that. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this concludes our episode for this week. So we have to give Mr. Tolu a round of applause for coming out and speaking very insightfully and very eloquently about software engineering. <laughs> Another big word? Woo! Yes, yes vocabulary <laughs> is what we do over here. I, I'm 100%, like I'm confident you have like, 
a thesaurus open on your laptop i, I actually mean. don't but <laughs> are you like scrolling through words oh it just comes or... it just comes naturally to me people like oh, me, okay. it just comes naturally to all right me, all right you miss mrs orator Okay. Yes, but thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode. Make sure to follow Tolu on his Instagram. I will put it in the description box. Any other thing you want to promote? Um, actually, yes. Speaking of, I help produce a, a podcast. Another one, guys. Yes. Um, this like during pandemic, a lot of people have just like started getting into their bag you know, podcasts, YouTube channels, all of that stuff. And I appreciate the creativity. And so I help my friends um, produce their own podcasts, you know, do a bit of the setup, the editing and all of that jazz. So it's called The Alive Podcast. And basically what it is, it's it's just a podcast that talks about life um, from also, and it also gives a Christian perspective because the hosts are Christian. And so they, but that's not what, all there is to it even if you're not a believer you can still learn valuable things from the alive podcast i also did an episode there on surprise surprise social media so <laughs> <laughs> if you can um listen to that or just check it out um yeah on spotify apple music apple Podcasts, rather youtube our youtube channel is, is still getting transformed so look out for that and yeah i think that's it uh, make sure to leave it in the description box below. After you listen to this podcast, go listen to the Alive podcast. Yes, ma'am. But any final words, Tolu? Um, I really enjoyed this episode. Um, thanks for having me. Of course. I'd like to also give a shout out to my mom, um, my family. Thank you, God, for the for being here. You know, I'd like to give a shout out to my accountant, Uchi Chuku, Chuku Jekwe. Um, his birthday was yesterday, actually. I'd also like to give a shout out to my namesake, Toluani um, um, Oloha Ajayi. Uh, her birthday is today. Happy birthday, darling. Um, what else? I'd like to um, give a shout out to people that have held me down, my haters, oh Tomoa my Brown. Um, I'd like to give a shout out to, yeah, to my haters, Tomoa Brown. You always hate on me, so you're motivating me to be the best I can. Um, what else? I'd like to give a shout out to Beyonce, um, to Will Smith, yeah. to Chloe Bailey, because yeah. um, she's just that awesome. Please, if you're listening to this, call me. Um, uh, a wonderful shout out to Anime Thank for you. being a wonderful person, uh, having me on here. Of course. Yeah unorthodox version of ending this episode but thank you guys for listening and stay tuned for the next one that will drop